Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's summertime, and at my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At my bookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. Bet the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, and then some. The craziest sports summer of your lifetime is here. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code BASEBALLAMERICA and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. Hey there, this is Josh Norris. I'm a senior editor with Baseball America, and we're doing another Baseball America podcast today, brought to you by MyBookie. Today's guest is Kyle Bamberger, an area scout with the Cleveland Indians. How are you, Kyle? I'm doing well. How are you, Josh? I'm doing well, thank you. So just right off the top, can you introduce yourself a little bit? You're you're obviously an an area scout with the Indians. Can you go a little bit further into your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, So I started, um, I I grew up in New York, um, I guess to start, and then um, went to Towson University in Maryland um, for my undergrad. Didn't play there. Um, Got onto the professional side um, early uh, while I was in school interning for the Orioles a couple years uh, at their local affiliates within the player development department uh, before pivoting to the Northeast um, prior to heading to UMass Amherst for my graduate degree and uh, bird dogging as associate scout for Dan Duquette in the Northeast for those two years, as well as one summer on the Cape. Uh, at the end of grad school, the Indians uh, brought me on board. I covered the Midwest, six states uh, in the central part of the country uh, in my first year. And then last year, I was in Southern California. This will be my third draft with the team, second in Southern California. But, you know, and like most of these podcasts, we've been talking about your scouting history and who you've signed and all that, but we're not going to do that today. We're going to talk to you about uh, a charity organization that you've hooked up with called Baseball Miracles, and it was founded by a long, long time scout and one of my better friends in the game, John Taminia, who, to say he's passionate about Baseball Miracles would be underselling it. This man cares it is, uh, it, you know, you can't talk to him for more than five minutes without him bringing up this charity and the passion he has for it is unbelievable. So can you tell me how you got hooked up with John Zeminia and Baseball Miracles in general? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think anyone that knows John, you could probably speak to this as well. He has this incredible ability to connect with people. 
Uh, and you don't know when it's going to happen. Um, I was actually interning my first year with the Orioles in Bowie. Um, was setting up TrackMan for a game, sitting in the press box, and some scout snuck up behind me uh, and started asking me questions about Parker Bridwell uh, and his velocity and spin rates and things like that, uh, trying to understand, you know, some of the prospects he was watching on the field that day. Um, struck up a conversation, um, shot some messages back and forth, then didn't hear from him. Uh, this was John, of course. A year later, I run into him at Frederick at my second year um, uh, interning with the Orioles. And I saw him on the opposite side of the ballpark during batting practice, made my way over uh, after that concluded and struck up a conversation once again. To your point, about five minutes in, he brought up baseball miracles and, you know, recommended that I go home and just do some research. Didn't sell me on it or didn't try to sell me on it from the moment we started discussing it, but rather I went home, looked into it. And anyone that knows the group knows it's a no-brainer, completely volunteer group that gives the gift of baseball or softball, the games that we're so passionate about to children that wouldn't otherwise get to experience it. So the relationships really blossomed from there. Um, held a variety of roles with the organization and John and I have grown close over the years. Uh, he's a mentor, he's a friend, and uh, yeah, he's our unquestioned leader within the group. Uh, to your point again, he has a huge heart, wants to keep giving, and um, this is really his brainchild, something that he's brought from a three-man team uh, in the Dominican Republic and. 2012 to over 50 volunteers now who keep this thing running. So, um, you know, a lot of credit to John for his vision, his passion. And, uh, yeah, I've been lucky to be along for the ride and, and, again, get to call him a friend. So how long after, you know, him introducing you to the group, did you, uh, I'm going to say, start believing in his vision and want to become a volunteer with Baseball Miracles? That's a great question. I think from the beginning, uh, I didn't really know what the role was going to entail. He said, I'd like to bring you on board and just kind of left it open-ended. Uh, we were going on a trip a couple months later to uh, Beattyville, Kentucky, uh, the Appalachia area. Um, and he simply asked me, do you want to come? And I said, sure. It sounds like a great opportunity. So I got on a, a plane, flew down to Kentucky, didn't know what I was getting myself into, but it was a tremendous experience. Uh, 200 plus kids, with a variety of background, you know, issues and struggles that they had been trying to overcome and, you know, being able to give them that release of baseball or softball for a couple of days, give a kid a brand new glove, something that they've never had before. Whole experience was tremendous, eye-opening. And uh, I was sold from that moment. I think every volunteer that goes on a trip realizes that when you leave, you're more energized than when you came. I think sometimes we get as much out of it as maybe the kids we're working with. So. I came back ready to work, ready to you know get more involved with the group, and uh, ultimately that you know took the form of a variety of roles that I started to you know, uh, carry out as we went forward. But uh, yeah, it was really that first trip in, in Kentucky. So I, I guess I asked, what is your official role or title with the group now? Uh, yeah, so it is director of operations uh, currently. What do you? What does that entail? I mean, what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Not that you can do a whole lot on a day-to-day -day basis for anything right now, uh, but when, when things are right, what, what is your job with Baseball Miracles? Yeah, so um, I often serve as, you know, kind of a conduit to the rest of the group uh, from John, try to carry out his vision. Um, and really, it's organizing anything we might do on the field, off the field. If you look at our, our group in its entirety, you know, our goal is to raise the rest or the or collect the necessary uh, resources, I should say, whether that be monetary, equipment-based, 
everything we need to carry out our mission trips. And then the second part of that is carrying out the mission trips. So making sure from the fundraising stages to the administrative stages of planning a trip through carrying out the actual operation on the field. Um, I'll oversee everything. Some things I'll have my hands in more than others. Again, we have a pretty extensive team now of over 50 volunteers. So we have people that do a lot of the specific jobs and, you know, their generosity, them donating their time is the only way we continue to uh, be able to function. So credit to them. But, um, you know, I try to help organize the pieces, um, you know, give them the resources necessary for them to carry out their roles and, um, you know, just uh, organize and facilitate as much as I possibly can to make their lives easier. How much has that staff grown in the time you've been with Baseball Miracles? Oh, yeah. Um, I would it'd be a guess, uh, admittedly, but I would say we were probably in the 20-ish range when I joined. Uh, so we've added 30, maybe more um, since I've been uh, involved with the group. And I believe that was 2016, my first year. So in about four years, we've over you know, more than doubled the size of the group. So you, you said you your first trip was to Kentucky. Where has it taken you since then? Yeah, kind of all over the place. Uh, a lot of domestic trips. Um, we don't just serve internationally. We don't just serve uh, domestically. There's a nice blend of the two. So uh, Kentucky was my first. Um, I had uh, a role in the Newburgh Clinic in New York. Um, New Orleans was another. Uh, Mexico City this year. Uh, was uh, was a fun one, uh, an interesting one, probably the most unique trip I've been on. Um, I believe I might be missing one. Baltimore, we had uh, last summer as well. So um, we have five trips to this point. What are the what are the experiences like with there? I mean, just how surreal is it to get to meet with these kids who don't, you know, have access to a whole lot of baseball, um, and then to be able to just give them something, a little taste of the game, as it were. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is one of a kind. Again, it's not a hard sell once you see it, um, but it could be something as simple as a smile, um, you know, kind of a carefree attitude, kids just having a good time. I, I think a lot of the, especially someone that's around it all the time, yourself, myself, um, a lot of the people on our team uh, who work in baseball um, probably take for granted how uh, lucky we are to be around a game and to work in a game. And uh, A lot of these kids haven't even experienced the game before, so you know, watching a kid put a glove on the wrong hand, uh, swing uh, a bat with their hands backwards, things like that, because they just haven't been privy to uh, the game before. I, I think that is some of the more special moments that I've encountered. And at the end, just, you know, the smiles. Um, you know, there's one kid in Mexico City that really, uh, you know, working with him really resonated with me. He was in my group all day. He kept popping back over. We played our scrimmage and he was running around the field. He was, um, the son of one of the organizers, uh, our contact in Mexico City. And uh, we were actually in a community that was in within a garbage dump. So these children had very little. Um, and just to see him enjoying this game um, on this empty field, wasn't even a baseball field, just a dirt field. He was covered in dirt, um, but in our baseball miracle shirt and just having the time of his life at the end, he came up, gave me a big hug. Um, and uh, kind of hits you in those moments like, wow, this is, uh, you know, this, this can be something that's really life changing. And you probably don't even realize it when we're teaching someone how to throw or swing a bat. It seems simple to us, but it uh, can make a big difference. So who else would we, would, would people know who is part of the staff at Baseball Miracles? Yeah, so um, Clint Hurdle is on our advisory board. 
Uh, he's been a huge supporter, uh, a leader for the group. Um, he's been just tremendous uh, over the last handful of years. I've got to build a relationship with Clint and I've learned quite a bit. Um, others on our team, a variety of people within the game, uh, with the Indians specifically, to give a little shout out to our guys, uh, Brian Sweeney, uh, who's with our major league staff, Dan Badrika, are both involved. Um, we have Katie Crawl with the Reds, um, Steve Williams with the Pirates. Uh, there's just so many individuals on our team that, uh, you know, Alex Agostino with the Phillies, a cross checker on the East Coast. A ton of people that are involved in the game that are probably missing people in there. Um, there's just so many tremendous volunteers. And our badass page on our website has a, the full rundown. Uh, again, I'm not doing it justice, but uh, those are some of the people on our staff. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf is a huge supporter. Um, ben Sherrington is a huge supporter. Uh, so outside of our core team, we also have this network of people who have been able to help us uh, make this program possible over the over the years. How do you balance your role with baseball miracles with your job as an area scout? I mean, that's not a uh, nine to five job, and it's not uh, it's a lot of lot of time commitment in that job, regardless of whether you have charitable uh, obligations or not. Yeah, at the end of the day, um, I think it comes down to time management, uh, just making sure that you're uh, deliberate about how you spend your time and um, realizing that this is important. Obviously, job is, uh, is first and foremost, making sure I'm doing everything I have to for the Cleveland Indians. That way we can work towards our ultimate goal of winning a World Series. It's first and foremost, but at the same time, uh, this is incredibly important work, something I'm very passionate about, and um, I would say it's equally important that I make sure I work time into my schedule to be able to help children experience the game that I've received so much for it. Not, I think it's important that anyone in the industry leaves the game better than how we, we came into it. Um, and this is part of that, in my opinion, and this might be for us on our baseball miracles team, the way of doing that. So uh, the nice part about being a scout is that you have kind of a, an idea of when you're going to be at the ballpark. Yeah. Travel is inconsistent. You don't know what ballpark you're going to be at all the time, but, um, I think as long as you're strategic in how you plan things and put things together, um, you know, if I'm at the ballpark at three o'clock uh, and had reports done in the evening, then I have the morning hours to maybe make a call or two for baseball miracles. And organize something. Um, so yeah, it's really just being, uh, again, um, creative and strategic with our time, but uh, you know, worthwhile to make sure that, you know, I do work it into my schedule and uh, you know, a lot of time every week that, uh, to baseball miracles around the requirements that, uh, you know, my job demands of me. And again, that, that being a, a priority is uh, first and foremost to help the Indians win a World Series. How has the shutdown affected uh, baseball miracles? Yeah, so we actually had two clinics at the beginning of the year. Um, it was excellent timing. I don't think we, obviously, we didn't plan for COVID. So uh, it just worked out well. Um, so we had Mexico in January, and we also did a partnership with a group called Faith in the Brook, who our fundraising manager, uh, Savannah Mlott, she is the executive director of that program. It's her family's uh, initiative. So we partnered with them in India. Uh, both of those were in uh, January, and then we ended up having to postpone two trips. One was going to be in Albuquerque, New Mexico, actually the first thing we knew we were going to revisit after going there a couple summers ago. And then um, the additional uh, trip that we were going to add was a partnership we were really excited about with uh, a group called Access Supports for Living in Montgomery, New York. Uh, they work with mentally and physically disabled children and young adults. 
so we had a, a clinic that was going to have 650 participants, the largest clinic we've ever had uh, in New York. And um, unfortunately, because of COVID, that got postponed. But uh, we are on schedule to have that next August after postponing it this August. So um, that is on the calendar for next year. A lot of our programs we pushed back or you know, just made sure we uh, continued to uh, put together the resources necessary to hold trips. And next year, we're looking at a full plate as long as COVID doesn't us any more curveballs but uh cooperstown new york we're going to have a clinic with a similar uh group of consumers or you know our target demographic to what we're doing with um access supports for living uh and then we're also looking at having a trip in poland visiting the auschwitz and krakow sites so i, I want to double back to to john a little bit more obviously he's been a scout for a long long time and you're you know you're not quite as long in the game as he is how did he, has he helped you at all grow as an evaluator? Very much so. Um, again, I consider John a mentor through and through, not just with baseball miracles, but most certainly on the field. He has a lot of experience in this game. Uh, he knows a lot uh, about this game. He knows a lot of people in the game. And as I was just trying to get my footing, um, specifically when I was at UMass, um, I was in grad school looking to you know, advance my skill set but also meet people and try to position myself so I can get in the door, if you will. And John was just a huge resource throughout the whole process, uh, whether that be looking over scouting reports um, as an associate scout, just giving me some, you know, pieces of advice on wordage, not necessarily, hey, he's not a, he's not a role three, he's a role four, not necessarily that, but critiquing the language and the, the style of, of scouting reports. Uh, you know, he's tremendous on that side, um, you know, giving me a kind of a lay of the land of uh, the hiring process and things like that. And then introducing to me, you know, mostly others in the, in the organization with baseball miracles, but other people that I was able to learn from, ask questions to, and try to figure out how to make sense of this whole, uh, this whole baseball industry. So um, yeah, as an evaluator, as a professional, in a variety of ways, John was a huge asset and a huge part of, of my growth. I mean, can we talk about that man's eye for a minute? I mean, that dude sees things that I, I feel like he's got two microscopes, you know, kind of centered in the middle of his head, the way he sees details. Is it not just kind of incredible what he can see and translate to his scouting reports? Yeah, there's a, uh, I mean, the, the main story that sticks out with me there, I could have, you know, I can go down a rabbit hole of times that he's uh, done exactly what you just said, but uh, their Gagne story from, um, you know, I think is one of the better ones with him, picking him out from Canada, projecting on a guy that was, I believe at the time when he first laid his eyes on him was throwing, you know, 84, 85, you know, Eric Gagne being Eric Gagne at the end of the day. Uh, but between that and a variety of guys that he has helped the White Sox acquire and trades on the professional scouting side, I mean, Gioito and Lopez and all these guys that are now contributors um, at the big league level are helping them, um, you know, reach the playoffs. I believe this is their, maybe their first time since 08. And uh, a lot of those contributors that are helping them reach the playoffs and do fantastic things. Um, you know, they've been leading our division most of the year. We've been trying to catch them. Uh, but the guys that we've been trying to compete against, I mean, a lot of those, John, have played a role in, in acquiring them. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not even doing it justice, the, the amount of how much impact I'm sure he's had on the Chicago White Sox organization. But um, those are just a few of the examples that always ring a bell with me. Uh, another guy that comes to mind is TJ Sycamore. Um, 
think he, he reached out to me maybe a month after he got drafted and uh, broke this guy down perfectly. Um, and his one look at him in, uh, in the Penn League after, you know, I spent a whole spring trying to figure him out in my first year scouting for the, for the Indians. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just tremendous man, tremendous evaluator. Uh, you know, he's, he's accomplished quite a bit and more to come. So let's kind of put a bow on this by, you know, what does the future hold for Baseball Miracle? You detail the trips you got coming up to, to Poland and to, um, to New York. How much bigger can this group get and how much more good can it do? Yeah, um, I mean, I think we're just scratching the surface personally. Um, that's the short-term future, the trips that we have planned for next year. However, I think it extends so much further than that. Um, you know, I think we aspire to make a routine or – uh, sustainable impact in, in communities, um, whether that be, you know, Albuquerque was almost our trial run where we're going to visit a community we visited in the past, but working towards building our staff, continuing to build our staff, um, you know, getting supporters and advisors, people that, you know, want to help us uh, take that next step, um, whatever it might be. But really long term, I, I can imagine this group working in a variety of communities, both domestically and abroad, but, you know, having sustainable programming year after year doing some uh, similar programming to maybe what RBI does and, and other uh, prominent organizations, um, you know, MLB affiliated organizations that, you know, help kids in cities and towns and areas of the U.S. get involved with the game of baseball. I, I think there's um, plenty of opportunity to reach more and more children in this country. And then, you know, on the international side, continuing to pick our spots and, and find communities that are in need, uh, find communities that may not have experienced the game before and, uh, you know, looking to, to impact them as well. But really, I, I see this being a program we've only grown over the years, you know, one trip to start per year, then two trips, three trips this year, we had four plans. I don't see why in the future we can't have 10, 15 a year, uh, as long as we have the staff, the resources and uh, more of a sustainable effort visiting some of the same communities year after year while continuing to expand and, and visit children that we haven't worked with before. Well, that's awesome. You know, I, I can't say enough about the passion that John has for this group and the good work it's done. And like you said, it's, it's really grown since the time John first mentioned it to me and till, till now. He's got a group of baseball luminaries working to do all for the common good. Um, for Kyle Bamberger, I'm Josh Norris. Thank you very much for your time, Kyle. I really appreciate it. This has been another Baseball America podcast. Thanks, Josh.